Again, a little bit of an advertisement, a little bit of a plug. I would really love it if you could join us uh, this Wednesday night at 6.30 at the Viroqua United Methodist Church. Again, I'll be speaking. I have this kind of skit idea that I think will be fun um, that I plan to do as a demonstration as part of my message. And uh, the series there, as you can see, that we're doing um, Open My Life, Lord, and, and each week it's uh, open a different part of me. This last week, I believe, was Open Our Eyes. Uh, mine is open our hands. And what can God do with open hands? Uh, and what does it mean for us to have open hands? We've got to do something with what's in them, okay? And that's just, that's all I'm going to say. You get, that's all the freebie that you're going to get from me today. Probably not. I'll probably plug it some more. Just kidding. Um, but I do uh, hope that you would join us out for that this Wednesday night. Now, n- without even knowing it, this world region that we're going to be talking about, it's probably been on your mind. We've mentioned it several times today. Uh, and hopefully not just on your mind, worrisome, World War III, whatever, but in your prayer life as well. Again, this world region is called Eurasia. Um, it might sound familiar because, again, one of the countries, Ukraine, has been attacked by the Russian military. Well, have you ever noticed that great times of, uh, of, or times of great adversary, even those who do not call on the name of the Lord, you know what they do? They call for justice. They clamor for peace. And suddenly, they have an opinion on what's right and what's wrong. There's no more gray area. They believe this must be right and this must be wrong, and many people agree with them. And you don't need me to point fingers, and I'm sure that you've thought of a few big names, people groups, or organizations who have raised blue and yellow flags recently standing in solidarity with the Ukrainian people. They've changed their profile picture on social media so people will know that they stand where they stand on this issue, and they don't even have to really discuss it. That's about as far as they're going to go. Believe me, I'm all for peace. I just know from where eternal and everlasting peace actually comes from. Not from changing your social media picture, not from posting a flag somewhere or wearing a pin at a big event. It comes from the Prince of Peace. And I, and I hope you do as well, have a personal relationship with that Prince of Peace. If peace comes and flows out of Jesus, then... Follow me now. Shouldn't we all be desiring and praying that the people of this world region come to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ? Yeah. (laughs) And that means people on both sides of the conflict. How many times do we pray that um, the, the group that we are, and maybe rightfully so, always pointing out that they're the bad guys or whatever, how many times are we hoping that they die or that they're, that they're killed by the people they're attacking rather than that God would change radically their hearts and lives, that they would lay down arms, that they would retreat? I know easier said than done when you've got people telling you what you have to do. But all I'm saying is sometimes our prayer life really needs to change and think about people as people that Jesus loves and wants to create a heart of peace inside them. People on both sides of conflict. Well, the Eurasia region seems to 
think that prayer is a pretty important thing to succeeding in this life. Uh, So much so that on January 28th and the 29th, this year they held their second annual region-wide 24-hour, and technically 20, I think it was 22 or 26, I can't remember which way it went, but 24-hour prayer event. You see, the idea was to pray from sunrise to sunset, but not just any old sunrise or sunset. The, this is actually right from their, from their site. It says, prayer time started an hour before the sun rises on eastern Russia and stops an hour after the sun sets on the Azores, which is the farthest west tip of their region. It's a huge section of land. Uh, a, a time quite literally blanketing this world region in prayer. I mean, how phenomenal is that? And as the light touched every part of the land and the people there, the prayers were raised. God was praised in hearts and lives were no doubt changed. And I've got to expect the hardship that the Ukrainians are currently dealing with, well, it's insulated by the prayers of God's people. God was and is working ahead, making a way for safety and for peace. Well, this grouping of countries, Eurasia, what's on their minds? What is their desire for their countries? What if they could ask you or I to pray about something for them, just like we asked for prayer requests earlier? What would they ask us? Well, I don't actually have to wonder, because if you joined me in using the uh, Global Week of Prayer prayer guide, you would know that they asked for three prayer requests, and they happen to be what we're going to talk about today. These three specific areas of prayer, they desired to see something happen. And if I could sum it up in one word, all three of these have to do with is growth. Growth. Now, church growth is what you might think of when I say growth, but church growth is is a buzzword. But in Eurasia region, churches desire not bigger churches or higher tech facilities or higher pay for pastors and a broadcast on national TV channels. Not church growth in that sense. Kingdom growth the kingdom of God. And so what does that look like? Well, it looks a lot like the things that you and I would desire for our own world area. The first one we're going to look at is spiritual growth. Um, Acts 4, 1 through 4, says uh, this, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put put them in jail until the next day. But many who had heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Now let me back up here a little bit, because first of all, they wanted people to come to a saving relationship in Jesus Christ. Um, Of course, John and Peter did as well, but the folks in the Eurasia region, they want to see salvation stories happening. People experiencing completely 180 degree change in their life because God got a hold of them. And this passage we just read, the scripture shows that kind of movement. A revival is real and it can happen even today and even in Eurasia. 
In the book of Acts, many things happen. Of course, this book's name, it kind of implies action, right? Acts. Earlier in chapter 2, it's the time of the Pentecost. Peter preaches a powerful message that weaves the history of the Jews and clearly claims Jesus as the Messiah, the one who was crucified, buried, and raised to life. And many people were added to their number, the scripture tells us, but we don't really get a head count until two chapters later, the passage we read just a moment ago in Acts chapter 4. You see, Peter and John were teaching The Sadducees were not a fan of that message. (laughs) But these messages open doors for people to walk through, opportunities for hearts to be changed. And we learned that the number grew to about 5,000. Wow. Wow. I mean, seriously. Uh, Every time I say wow, I think of a few things. But one of them is when I was in high school, we we, uh, learned sign language. Do you know what the sign language is for wow? Yeah, yeah, you do that with your mouth. You do wow. But you actually take your fingers like this and you put them on the sides of your cheeks and you make the word wow. Wow. Like that with W's. I know, I look goofy. It's fine. The the people listening online can't see it, so that's all right. But I just think of that every time I see the word wow. It's just, oh, it's so breathtaking. I just want to do this and look goofy. It's fun. I mean, if you track back, after Judas went his own way, if you will, um, it, started, it went from 11 to 120, as we have recorded, praying in the upper room during Pentecost. And now they've accelerated over 5,000 folks, because, of course, we did have women up there, but they only counted the men in this 5,000. Now, when the powers that be didn't like the message, they tried to silence it. Does that sound familiar? They placed hardship on these two preachers. They jailed them. They punished them. But... That seemed to either be a catalyst, which I would like to lean towards, of course, a catalyst for this movement, or at the very least, it had no negative impact on the new believers coming to Christ. God was adding to their number those who were being saved. In the world today, we need this kind of power and influence, the power to help nudge people who have divided hearts, nudge them in the right direction, introduce them to Jesus. Pray them to the threshold of grace and encourage them to walk through that door. Prayer is powerful. It not only can miraculously heal the terminally ill, it can purify the spiritually bankrupt as well. Sinners can be saved. And if you've ever met someone who has just given their life to Christ, you know the energy and passion that they have for the lost. They are some of the best people to reach others with the gospel. So the church in Eurasia wants this for their people. Spiritual growth. New believers coming to a saving relationship with Jesus. We here at Baroque Nazarene, we put it this way. They desire people to experience their fresh start in Jesus Christ. What more could a group of Christians want? What more could they pray for? Healing and deliverance from COVID, prosperity and safe, warm homes, freedom from oppressive governments. Those might be on the lists, but way down the list because their next prayer request after salvations is their desire for the people in their region to grow personally, personal growth. 
Personal growth doesn't mean that they're much more organized at home. That's not the kind of personal growth we're talking about here. Personal growth in this context is all about moving forward in faith toward serving. Moving forward in faith towards serving. Each person, young and old, big and small, can contribute and help in the ministry of the faith. Here's actually what the prayer guide said, quote, pray for believers to awaken to opportunities to reach beyond themselves by coming along the vulnerable people in our communities, by coming along the vulnerable people, vulnerable people in our communities. So the need is there. It's everywhere. The needy, the hungry, the homeless, the fatherless or motherless, the widow or widower, the depressed, the downtrodden, whatever group within their communities would be considered vulnerable. Eurasia churches desire the believers to move and serve these folks in need. It seems very clear. Example right now. The attack on Ukraine has displaced many people. These people may have lost everything they own. Only their family and their clothes on their back arriving at the border of a neutral or friendly country. What happens when they get there? Well, if Christians weren't taking them in, helping them get shelter, food, and clothing, I'm not sure what would have happened to them. But the church in the Nazarene is showing up in a big way. These lessons on missions that we're working through, they've opened up my own eyes to see actually how the Church of the Nazarene uh, does compassionate ministries, especially serves people in a time of crisis. So let me make a few comparisons here. Uh, As I did a little research and understanding of a couple other organizations, organizations like Red Cross will send teams to help those in crisis. They'll help with supplies, shelter, maybe paperwork if necessary. If a disaster hits our country, there is a branch of the federal government called FEMA that works with local governments to help affected communities recover from disaster. But here's where the church is different from other organizations and governmental agencies. We've already, we already have relief workers around the world. They're already stationed there. I was thinking to myself, what's a good... Uh, a good analogy, almost like we've got these mini embassies everywhere you go. And they're called churches in the Nazarene. We already have these mini embassies. We already have relief workers all around. We do send teams. I'm not going to say that we never send teams. Of course we do. The recovery effort, though, is led by local churches in each and every district and region around the world. That's why when we give toward a specific crisis fund, it supplies and equips those local churches to serve the most vulnerable in their communities. The following is from an article in the Eurasia Church of the Nazarene site. Uh, It talks about Pastor Nabil of Odessa. Didn't know there was an Odessa in Ukraine. I thought the only Odessa was in Texas, but there is one in Ukraine. And it says uh, he's housing refugees in both the church and in his family's home. Uh, Andrea, a pastor in Kiev, has helped coordinate deliveries of food and supplies such as diapers to single mothers and children. Pastor Sergei is making conscious trips to the border, transporting refugees while 
navigating volatile areas. Pastor Svetlana, there we go, is caring for her congregation that consists largely of disabled members delivering food and seeing to their basic needs. The article goes on to tell of Nazarene churches across the border giving shelter to refugees fleeing the ravages of this war, housing them, caring for them. And you and I can be a part of the recovery of so many people and communities that are in crisis every day. We get to be part of that. Support goes straight to the people who are always on the front lines. God prepared people for ministry, got them in place. During dark times, that's when God's light shines so bright through those serving and through their local church. In Luke 10, Jesus is preparing his followers to go out and share the good news of the kingdom of God. Starting at verse two, it says this, he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, say, first say, peace on this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever you give them. Whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you, near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Same message, different impact, by the way. They were all called and they were instructed. And they came back after Jesus uh, tells them all this, these directions. They came back praising God for all that had happened when they listened to Jesus and, what, and did what he said. Ministry, it's all over the world. It's following Jesus and serving Jesus by serving and caring for people. To give us a little local perspective, people in Vernon County are constantly caring for those in need, whether it's the Bethel Boutique, Door of Hope, or Living Faith Food Pantry, or by financially supporting these organizations. So whether you're actually serving there at those locations or giving towards them or doing both. It make a big difference in bringing hope and restoration in the lives of people in our community. God placed you here, called you to care for those around you, especially those in need. You and I, we get to serve. We can do it through our local church. And just like brothers and sisters in Eurasia, they're doing it there as well. Well, so far... We've started with the desire for folk in Eurasia to come to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, to discover their fresh start. They desire a revival of new believers all across the world area, and what a prayer request. And then we moved toward service, growth in ministry. The movement of every Christian is to serve God and fellow man in some way that reflects God's love 
and leads people closer and closer to him. Now, let's look at their third request. Their third request is for professional growth. And when I say professional growth, I really am talking about vocational calls being fostered or confirmed. Um, The best way, again, that I could understand and summarize this is is that God would call a generation. This is what they say in the prayer request. They desire that God would call a generation of men and women, both young and old, to serve as pastors and teachers who are committed to holiness. And again, a powerful request. For the church to succeed, for Christians to stay close to God, we must be open and actively listening to his voice. Sometimes his voice says, you are my messenger. Go speak my words. Other times, it is a pull at our heartstring for a specific group of people. I had a friend, for example, in college who enlightened me to the persecution of Christians in Cambodia. And she wanted to serve God there in Cambodia. It was on her heart. And I hadn't even honestly heard of Cambodia before she started talking about it. I will say this, maybe God has called you to a specific vocation, preaching, teaching, speaking, organizing. Maybe it's serving him full time in some other fashion. Whatever the case, the most important thing for you and I is to say yes. Say yes and keep saying yes until God says no. Keep saying yes to him until he says no, until he stops you, until he changes your course of direction actively doing it. The best way to kill your ministry, the way that God wants to use you and serve you in your life is to stop listening to his call on your life. After the resurrection, Jesus, you know, is doing awesome stuff, right? You may have heard of it. It's in the book of Acts. But my favorite post-resurrection thing that he did was something kind of simple, but something pretty awesome as well. He made a shoreside breakfast for his disciples. He cooked for them. And during the enjoyment of baked breakfast fish witches, Jesus asks Peter a set of questions. And they're recorded in John 21, start at 15, second half. It says, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And this, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify him. And then he said to him, follow me. Strong call, clear call to Peter 
Not only was this an opportunity for Jesus to make it clear to Peter that he forgave him of his denial three times, right? But he also, this was a call of vocational ministry. He had already declared that he would use Peter to lead the way. You know, I tell you, Peter, this is my paraphrase, by the way, of Matthew 16, 18. I tell you, Peter, Pete, you know, Petros, rock. <laughs> On this rock, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell is not going to overcome it. On the shore, Jesus tells Peter here in this part of Acts, specifically, he wants him to feed a sheep, take care of his lambs. Jesus calls Peter to a place of leadership, but also a place of service. Peter will serve spiritual food. We certainly see that in action at Pentecost. The Eurasia region doesn't want to miss one single generation when it comes to salvation or vocation. If God is calling someone to do something specific with their life to serve him, the Eurasia region desires to assist in that conversation, facilitate callings, and support them in any way they can. Though there certainly are God-serving, God-honoring vocations aside from pastoral ministry, the church is thoroughly equipped to guide the call of the preacher, teacher, missionary. We've been doing it for so long, right? And you might be thinking, that's what they desire for their people? Yeah. So how does this happen? What is the process? Well, it's, it's pretty simple. You ask questions. Is God calling you? If he is, identify it. Understand it. Once it's identified, what now? You nurture it. Can we go any further than nurturing? Sure. After it's nurtured, it still has to be internalized and owned by the person God has called. One of the greatest ways for that to express itself is to be able to explain it to another person. I understand when God called me and retell the story. And it's not just a story, but it's something that radically changed your heart and your life so much so that you'll never be the same. You know the course of your life has changed because of that moment in time. Colossians 3, 23a, whatever you do, work at it with, your, with all your heart as working for the Lord. Wrapping things up this morning. The people of Eurasia are not much different than us. They have needs and desires, praises and prayer requests. They're all over the news as Russia attacks Ukraine. Right now is an excellent time to join in prayer with this world area about what concerns that they have, these three desires. They want revival, a great many souls being saved. They want those folks to move forward in their walk with Christ, serving others. And they want more men and women to come ordain ministers in the work of the Church of the Nazarene. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is this. Pray. <laughs> no, I said that before, but it is. Pray. Pray about one, two, or all three of these things. Pray that the Eurasia region would grow in these ways. Pray that the Wisconsin district would grow in these ways as well. 
We need a revival. We need new folks who've never experienced a saving relationship with Jesus to say yes. We need folks to move toward areas of service where they've just been holding out. We need folks to listen to the heart of God, speak directly to them, calling them to some form of full-time ministry. And we need to pray for peace between warring countries. God can bring about his peace, and we pray that God would make his name known through this peace that will come. In the meantime, God will continue to provide for their needs. We can pray for that as they become refugees in other nations. Again, I, I, I want to bring your attention to the fact that there's a lot of things that we can do to be a part of a solution to help those in crisis at any given place. There's always, I call them, I call them uh, acts of nature or whatever, or acts of man-made crisis and natural-made crisis. You've got hurricanes and you've got wars. But in the midst of any of these things, the Church of the Nazarene is equipped to mobilize whatever God is putting on your heart to give towards that. And so one of the ways you can see it there in the bulletin is if you'd like to either designate um, a giving check or an envelope and note it, NCM Eurasian Northfield Crisis Fund. It's all there in your bulletin. And all the donations will go towards that. They won't stay here in our state, in our district at all. Um, It'll go to where it's identified to go to. And so if you want to support, I, I highly recommend you do that through the Church of the Nazarene. There's lots of other ways you can help support as well, but that is one of them. As you go this week, I want to encourage you, look for prayer triggers. <laughs> we talked about this a few weeks ago. A war is a big, big prayer trigger. Don't get numb to it. Feel for the folks affected on both sides of this conflict, for the countries surrounding it that are trying to do their best to serve and to minister and care for those in need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we go from this place today, this week would so be filled with just a breathing in and breathing out prayer and listening, a constant conversation with you, nothing held back. Our own personal hopes and dreams, yes, but God, lay upon our heart one, two, or all three of these things, these areas of growth for the Eurasia region. You have sent people you have developed people in, in their own countries to minister. You have ordained and organized. And they are right there on the front lines, giving shelter and care to those in need. Those in the middle of a war zone. And that's just one country, Lord. There's so many other ones that 
that are dealing with different things, Lord, but I pray that you would help us to mobilize our prayers toward these three areas, a revival, a growth in service, and a growth in vocational calling. Help us, Lord, and help them. May we be one in you. In your name we pray, amen. You're dismissed. Go in peace.